the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. And thank you so much for joining us on an almost winter evening. Dark, early, cold. Uh, just a good night to listen to the radio. I hope you're all listening and enjoying we're going to do something a little different tonight. Uh, first off, I have a co-host with me, Kathy Lexington-Rothrone. Kathy, say hello. Good evening, everybody. Isn't her voice much nicer than mine? <laughs> so I think we're going to enjoy that a lot more. Uh, and uh, tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to have one guest throughout the evening. First half, we're going to be talking to him about what he does, what he's doing, what are his plans. And then we'll take your phone calls after our 8.30 break. You can call us here at the station at 216-901-0945. And our, our guest tonight, our special guest, is a returning guest, Mr. Lee Weingart. Lee, thank you for joining us. Nick, thanks very much. And, uh, Mayor, it's good to hear your voice. Good to hear yours, Lee. Lee, doesn't she have a... Uh, I, love the, I love the introduction of the Rolling Stones there. I saw the Rolling Stones uh, Monday night in Detroit. It was a great show. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we love the Rolling Stones, <laughs> as they're all aging gracefully, including the Stones. They're still out there. They were fantastic. They were fantastic. For the most part. But uh, but in any event, yes, we're glad to have you with us tonight, because uh, lots happening in Cuyahoga County this uh, past week. Armin Budish, the incumbent uh, county executive, has announced he's not running for re-election. And, and you, we talked to you a number of times. You are running for that position. How does this affect uh, what's going on out in Cuyahoga County? So, you know, I announced my campaign back in March of uh, this year. I've been campaigning actively since then. Uh, I've been all over the county, particularly on the east side of the county, uh, trying to win votes in non-Republican areas, which wouldn't support early on in those areas. Yeah, you know, I think it makes Armin's decision not to run for re-election makes this an open seat, which uh, is always easier uh, if you are the challenger, as I am. Now, Armand had served seven years. He's got one year left on his term. Um, I think incumbency gives you a big advantage, especially in a county like Cuyahoga, where we tend to reelect our incumbents. So I think as open race, um, you'll see a lot of Democrats hopping in the race. Um, I expect there'll be a primary of between four and five Democrats. Uh, the primary is not until next May, and the filing deadline is February 2nd of next year, so there's plenty of time. Uh, for Democrats to line up uh, in that primary. And then we'll see what happens. I expect it'll be a contentious primary on their side. Um, on my side, Republican side, I've not heard any other Republicans who are running, so I think I should be able to get through the primary. And then face whoever comes out of Democratic uh, primary uh, after May and then have a spirited campaign from May until November and then hopefully win to become the next county executive of Cairo County. Someone asked me what a county executive is, and I explained it that the form of government we have here in Cuyahoga County is very similar to a city where we have a mayor and we have a city council. Here you have a county council and uh, the county executive, essentially sort of like the mayor for the county, a lot of responsibility, 
a lot of authority, and uh, a lot of budget to deal with. What What's the budget total here in Cuyahoga? So the total budget is about $1.7 billion. Now, the controllable budget is about $800 million. So that's the general fund plus the health and human services levies that cover a variety of social services in Cuyahoga County. Your listeners may recall that um, many years ago, we had county commissioners. There were three county commissioners and then a variety of elected officials like an auditor, a treasurer, and a recorder. And I was the last Republican to serve as county commissioner. I served from 1995 to 1997 when I was 29 years old. So in 2009, the voters changed from three county commissioners to a system of a county executive and 11 county council members. And Nick, you're right. It's very much like a city where you have a mayor and a city council. This is just a county executive and a county council. So there's a legislative branch, which is the county council, an executive branch, which is the county executive. And our budget covers a variety of things, um, everything from abused children, neglected seniors, families in crisis, children who uh, and adults who have addictions, uh, mental health challenges, the courts, the jail, voting, infrastructure. Um, it really is the foundation of our community. And you want to have a strong county government uh, to be sure that the community can be strong. Well, if you're going to, oh, go ahead, Kathy. I do, Lee. I, I, I would uh, imagine that there's a great deal of, of work done also in the in the way of economic development and coordinating that throughout the county. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I wish I could say that there there was, but uh, this year the county will spend about ten million dollars of its one point seven billion dollars in economic development. And um, the county just is not a significant player like the cities tend to be in economic development. That will change when I become a county executive. Uh, I think we need to shift our priorities and our resources away from growing the government, which is what's happened the last eight years, um, to really growing the private sector. Um, unfortunately, Cary County is among the most unemployed counties that I've looked at in the Midwest, and I compared a number of counties that are like Cuyahoga in size and in their background as being um, urban and manufacturing-based counties. And for some reason, we are not doing as well as, for example, Franklin County, Ohio, which is, of course, Columbus, Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, which is Pittsburgh, uh, and Marion County, Indiana, which is Indianapolis. Three very similar cities and counties to Cuyahoga that are doing a much better job uh, spurring employment, job creation, and company formation. And that last part to me is really important. Having formed my own company back in 2002 after I left public service, I think it's critical if we're going to create wealth in the inner city of Cleveland and in the county that we foster the uh, creation of new company that can then create more jobs and create wealth, uh, particularly in the inner city of Cleveland. So you'll see a massive change in priorities when I'm county executive uh, toward economic development investments that help grow the county again. Wait, Lee, I couldn't agree with you more. That sounds like exactly what we need. And, you know, this isn't, I don't know the statistics, but anecdotally, I know we are losing so many of our young people from this area are going to Columbus for whatever, you know, to find jobs. Columbus or other places. So when I was county commissioner, um, Cuyahoga was the biggest county in Ohio at 1.4 million people. Franklin County was the second biggest at about 850,000. So we were almost half again as big uh, as Franklin County. So fast forward 25 years, 
Franklin County is now 1.3 million people. They're the biggest, biggest county in Ohio. Cuyahoga is number two at about 1.25 million. So we've given up the title as biggest county in Ohio, and we're shrinking. In fact, if you look at the top 100 counties in the country, there are only three that lost population over the last 10 years. There are Cook County, Illinois, which is Chicago, Wayne County, Michigan, which is Detroit, and Cuyahoga County, Ohio, which is Cleveland. So we are shrinking while every other major county in America is growing. And I think it's because of a lack of opportunity in Cuyahoga County. Uh, of course, high taxes also play into that. But we just don't have the coordination that we need between the county, the province in Cleveland, and the other cities that comprise our county to help get our county growing again. Well, what kind of program can we have that can start uh, making Cuyahoga County more attractive for young, bright people? Uh, to stay here. So we have some natural assets that we should be uh, we should be leveraging. One of those, of course, is fresh water. Uh, there are a lot of companies that are either water-intensive or water-innovative. And as county executive, I'll work to draw those companies to Cleveland and Cuyahoga County to help grow that base. We also have an incredible base of medical technology at our three excellent hospital systems, Metro Health, Cleveland Clinic, and University Hospitals. We ought to be doing a better job of coordinating innovation coming out of those three systems to create new, cutting-edge medical technology companies in Cuyahoga County. And, of course, we have a great history in manufacturing, and advanced manufacturing, manufacturing 2.0, as they call it now, um, is a place where we can we have a natural tendency and natural experience to help grow that sector. Um, you know, And I think uh, with all the movement around the country, toward work from home or virtual work, we ought to make Cleveland and Cuyahoga County the virtual workplace of America. If you are working for a dot-com or a you know, major tech company in California and your employer says, look, you can work from home the rest of your life as long as you work at our company, why not take your, your big salary and come to live in Cleveland? You can work virtually back to your company in California and you can buy a house that's probably 10 times the size that you can buy in California. So let's use our natural assets that we have to grow the base of employers and to become the virtual workplace for America. We're listening to Lee Weingard. He's a candidate for the Cuyahoga County Executive, that election coming up next year, 2022 already. And uh, he's going to be taking calls after 830. So I'm going to write down the number. The number here for WHK is, is 216-901-0. 5. And we'll take those calls at 8.30. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back after these words. So don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on The Advocate and Kathy Lux, our co-host tonight. And we're talking to Lee Weingart. So don't go away. We'll be right back. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. You're here with Nick Phillips and Kathy Lux, and we're talking to Lee Weingart, uh, who's candidate for the county executive here in Cuyahoga County with the election coming up uh, in the not-too-distant future in 2022. That name and number still scares me. Uh, Kathy, I remember many years ago, <laughs> we weren't talking about that many years. No. <laughs> well... I'd like to welcome Lee again. Lee, thank you for uh, for joining us. You're looking at being the county executive of a county that has a large budget, a lot of people, 
and a lot of problems. Uh, the county jail, for example, that's sort of a bundle of issues. What, what's your take on that, and are you getting enough information on what's actually out there at the county? Yeah, so, so thanks again, Nick. Um, county jail is a major challenge. Um, when I was county commissioner, we built about part of that jail. It's called Jail 2. It's about 700 beds of the roughly 1,700 beds that are uh, in the jail. And that was about 20 years ago. So there's a movement now. The current county executive and members of county council want to uh, build a new jail. Uh, the estimated cost is about $600 million in construction costs. And if they pay for it over the course of 15 or 20 years, that's another $400 million in interest. So you've got a billion dollars to build this new jail. And to take that down to the, the family level, uh, that's $800 per for every man, woman, and child in Cuyahoga County. So if you have a family of five, you're going to pay $4,000 toward that new jail, that new billion-dollar jail. I don't think that's the right way to go especially for a county that is constrained by resources. Well, so, is, is there a consensus uh, that we do need a new jail, or do we need to have maybe a blend of a partial new jail? So there, uh, what are the options? I think, you know, so there was very little public input when it came to this jail um, being designed. The county hired the same consultant they always hire when they do construction projects. So the person that brought us the Hilton Hotel, which uh, is too large and cost the county $15 million a year in interest payments. Same person that built the Medical Mart, which is empty, uh, and cost the county $180 million or so dollars to build. So uh, I would like to stop the process and start again, uh, particularly when it comes to looking at um, renovating at least part of the current jail and not walking away wholesale from that jail. I also think there are much better ways uh, to treat people who've been arrested particularly nonviolent arrestees. Uh, we should not put them in jail. Uh, we should give them a citation, send them on their way, much as you do for someone who's a speeding ticket. I also think we need diversion for people who are arrested that have mental health or addiction challenges. They shouldn't be in jail either. We need bail reform uh, that really moves the process along quickly to determine if an arrestee is eligible for bail and to get that person out of the jail system, again, if their person is not deemed to be um, a threat to himself or to the community or a flight risk. So I think if we took a, a more comprehensive approach when it came to looking at the jail's criminal justice system more broadly, I think we could uh, shrink the number of people in the jail at no negative cost to the safety of our community. And here's why I say that. Uh, last year during covid um, the jail population was about a thousand people. Now the jail population had been as high as 2,200 people uh, when Armin Budish was trying to turn a profit from the county jail. But if a thousand people worked during COVID last year, I think if you were more aggressive and more creative in handling people who were arrested who are not dangerous, we could get down to a thousand people in the, in the, county, the county jail again. If you wanted to build a new county jail, you could build a much smaller one that would not cost you a billion dollars. You know, Lee, I, I think that sounds um, much more reasonable than than a new facility. I, and I'm wondering if you if you can shed some light. Um, I would imagine that a lot of the um, prisoners, if you will, um, currently a large portion of those would be 
from addiction and mental health issues. Um, and can you shed some light on that for me? Yeah, I don't know the exact numbers, but um, certainly people, some of the people who are arrested have mental health and addiction challenges. Uh, you know, there are also very stark problems in the neighborhoods where we are arresting people. Uh, there aren't a lot of jobs available. There's not a lot of private housing available. Uh, there aren't opportunities available. And that's really the, the linchpin or the cornerstone of my campaign is to try and create opportunities in neighborhoods so we can reduce the incidence of crime and number of arrests. So if we can bring opportunity to neighborhoods where there's a high crime rate uh, and we can uh, help uh, people there through creating new jobs, uh, forming new companies, and um, creating private housing opportunities, and uh, I think we will ultimately uh, reduce the incidence of crime and the number of arrests and the need for a jail that could be as big as 2,400 defendants, um, which is what the county is proposing right now. So we just don't have a billion dollars to spend on a jail. But we have so many other challenges in our county that need to be addressed. And and what about um, more county involvement in, in terms of intervention and drug prevention? Um, I, I, I think that there's a huge need for intervention with a lot of these people who, if we were helping sooner, would not end up in our justice system. Uh, and I think if we could do more in terms of, of the drug problems in our county, that would also prevent some of these people from ending up in our justice system. Would you agree with me on that? What do you see there? So I, I do agree, and the county has responsibility when it comes to helping people who are addicted to drugs. Um, so not only those who are committing crimes, but those who are dying from over, overdoses and, and um, opioids. Uh, for the first couple of weeks of November, we had 12 opioid deaths in Cuyahoga County. Now, that is despite the fact that Cuyahoga County secured about $90 million in a settlement with a variety of companies related to opioid sales. And the county is just sitting on tens of millions of dollars in that settlement, doing nothing with it. So people continue to die from opioid overdoses. That, that crisis has not ended. We should not fool ourselves into thinking that that crisis is behind us. It is not. It is alive and well, unfortunately particularly in Cairo County. We need much more creative uh, intervention strategies to help people who are addicted uh, to opioids and other drugs, to keep them alive, and to keep them out of the criminal justice system. So I would, as county executive, make that a priority uh, to spend those funds that we have on hand to try and improve uh, the environment, again, for those who are addicted uh, and those who have mental health or addiction challenges uh, that lead them into a, a life of crime. You know, we talk a lot about the county budget, you know, one-plus billion dollars. Uh, how are they going to pay for the jail? So um, what they proposed to do is take a temporary sales tax that was put, um, that was imposed by the county commissioners, not me, but other mm-hmm. county commissioners, back in 2007 to pay for the convention center. It was, it was a one-quarter percent increase in the sales tax uh, that was supposed to be on for 20 years to pay for the convention center. That made Cuyahoga County sales tax the highest in the state of Ohio and a very high sales tax compared to other counties around the country. So uh, Army Bush announced about a month ago he was going to extend that sales tax, that quarter percent sales tax, forever 
to pay for the new jail. Now, in my estimation, if you're taking this tax from being a temporary tax to being a forever tax, and you're changing the use from economic development, you know, building a convention center, to building a jail, you ought to put it on the ballot and let the voters speak. You know, let them vote on whether to extend that tax forever and use those proceeds for a new jail. I don't think it's fair when you change the use and the term of a tax the way the county is doing right now without getting voter approval first. So that's what I would certainly do if I were county executive. Although, let me be very clear, I would not use those proceeds to build a new county jail. Well, I know that taxes are always an issue when we talk about running a government. Uh, We're going to take a short break here in a bit. Uh, But uh, we're talking to Lee Weingart. And uh, we have a couple minutes here. And when uh, we come back from this coming break, we're going to be taking phone calls. So if there's any topic you have about the county government or what you'd like to see happen in the next several years here in Calgary County, uh, call us here at WHK at 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. And talk to Lee, and we'll, we'll get that question. But, um, yeah, money's a big thing. We appreciate Lee coming uh, coming on board to talk to us tonight. So uh, when we come back, maybe we talk about the rising property taxes. Are they rising? Yeah, already? they are. They are rising because the county imposed a new property tax last year, and, of course, the increasing uh, appraised values of homes will ultimately lead to higher taxes. So we can certainly talk about that um, in the next half hour, if that's what they'd like to do. Okay, sounds like a plan. So we will take a break. You're listening to Nick Phillips and Kathy Lex here on WHK, The Advocate. I guess it would be The Advocates, plural. There's two of us here. Would that be right? There, there is. So stay stay with us, everyone. We'll yes. be back. With Lee Weingarten. We'll talk about the county and what's happening. Don't go away. You can call us here at 216-901-0945. Don't go away. We'll be right back. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Hi, welcome back. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate here with Kathy Lux. And we're talking to Lee Weingart, who's a candidate for county executive here in Cuyahoga County. Lee, thank you for joining us. You back. And uh, our lines are open here at 216-901-0945. And uh, one of the things we were talking about uh, off while we were on the break was the size and cost of county government. The county government, that billion-dollar-plus budget, uh, how do you even get your arms around it to try to reduce the size and hence reduce the cost of it? Well, like any uh, organization, a big part of the cost is in payroll. And uh, when I was county commissioner 25 years ago, I came in and the county had suffered a $114 million investment loss. So we had to look at a way to reduce our spending because we were out of money at that point uh, a long time ago. So we uh, did a voluntary early retirement program uh, for county employees who were near retirement. We had about 700 take us up on that. So they retired early, and that ended up saving the county tens of millions of dollars uh, in payroll costs. Uh, I think you do the same thing uh, when I become county executive. So there are something on the order of 
a thousand county government employees who are eligible today for an early retirement buyout. See so a little bit of cost up front um, with those thousand people, but uh, if they all take you up on it, then you reduce the size by about a thousand uh, workers again voluntarily. If they want to retire early, they can. If they don't, that's fine. But I think most would take up the offer to retire early at a full pension. So then you look at every department and you say, you know, do I really need those thousand positions to be filled? The answer probably is no, because it's government. So maybe you're talking four or 500 positions have to be filled of those who, um, who retired. Well, if you keep 500 positions from being filled, you probably saved yourself $50 million a year in payroll, in benefits, and in retirement contributions. So that's one big start uh, to reducing the cost of county government. Um, is through a voluntary early retirement program um, for county government workers, particularly managers and supervisors who tend to be more expensive than frontline workers. For, for those who decide uh, to retire, at, uh, a question, how, how do you decide whether they're to be replaced or not? Uh, that's where you, you know, look at every department and you determine you know how many people you need in that department. I'll give you one example. There is a department in county government where there are 27 frontline workers and nine supervisors. So a three-to-one ratio between frontline worker and supervisor. On its face, I think um, that's probably far too heavy on supervisors. Very suspicious. You could probably get by, you could get by with probably three. So now you you know you've cut six supervisors, which probably saves you on the order of five hundred thousand dollars a year in payroll just in that one department. So you just go department by department and you determine what's the proper ratio of frontline workers and supervisors to make sure that we deliver critical services to county citizens. We don't want to set up a system where citizens will feel like they're being shorted or they're not getting the help that they need. We also don't want a system where we have too many people working who aren't productive and who aren't providing critical services to citizens and are just costing us money. So um, I think you just have to look very carefully at every department uh, with a very careful eye and make sure that you have the right mix of frontline workers and supervisors to deliver the critical services for the county, but not at a cost that is too high for county taxpayers. Nick, it, Nick it looks as though uh-huh. we have a call waiting. We do. And I just want to remind everyone that they can call in with their questions. Uh, we have uh, an 888-281 one 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 zero or two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Give us a call. That's right, Kathy. Thank you so much for people living outside of two one six. Uh we have a call. We have Roz from Cleveland on the line and she has a question about children's services. Roz, hi, good evening. Thank you for joining us. Good evening. Thank you um, for calling. What's your question? Sure. Well, uh for the third time in a row, uh Cuyahoga County has done very poorly on their state review. They're done every two years. Matter of fact, the most recent one that just that I just got my hands on uh, in the last week or so, it has changed since 2015. And so what, what's your question, Roz? Hello, Roz, are you there? Roz, you're breaking up. Lee, did you pick up the question? I got it. I got it. Yes. So um, there is a major problem with child um, safety in Cairo County. Uh, we have a much higher average child abuse and neglect and death rate 
than counties of comparable size uh, in Ohio and across the country. Uh, the problem, I think, is that we have a sort of a siloed approach where a lot of the uh, sources that would report child abuse are not coordinated. So there was a report recently done by Case Western Reserve University that calls for a much more comprehensive approach to identifying cases of child abuse and neglect and creating teams of workers, both county government workers and people from law enforcement, uh, mental health, and healthcare to try and identify early on child abuse cases and then set up the right network of professionals to serve those children. So it really is a comprehensive approach that brings in the three hospital systems, Metro Health, the clinic, and university hospitals, as well as the county's Department of Children and Family Services uh, and other providers of critical services that are related uh, to children's health. So I've I read that report. I think there's some very good ideas in there. There are some good models out there in Philadelphia and Dallas uh, and Cincinnati. So we need to really be on the cutting edge of collaboration among a variety of providers in Cuyahoga County to make sure that we are identifying early signs of abuse and neglect and that we are treating those early signs as quickly as possible to prevent future child deaths. And I think we had eight or nine last year in Cuyahoga County, which is eight or nine too many. You know, no, ch- no one child death is acceptable to me as county executive, and I'll take a much better approach than the current county executive does, the current county uh, system does, to protecting children who live in Cuyahoga County. Oh, that, that's heartbreaking, Lee. Do you happen to know if, if uh, the models that you mentioned that are out there, do those include working within the school systems as well? So the models I've seen don't include the school systems directly, but certainly the school systems are required to report what they think is potential abuse and neglect of a child. So they are one source of information that comes to the Department of Children and Family Services in Cary County, um, and they can certainly be a uh, participant in these multidisciplinary teams that are formed to address child abuse and child neglect. Uh, certainly the city of Cleveland schools um, would be a key partner there, but as are the suburban schools, uh, the prosecutor's office, mental health, uh, phys- you know, physical health. Um, so we need to create these teams of professionals, clearly first to identify early cases or, or indications of child abuse and neglect, and then to work with children who we think have been neglected um, or abused to get them out of these harmful situations where they can be re-abused uh, or further neglected. You know, the uh, the last year and a half has been dominated with COVID. Uh, for the next year, as we get into 2022, what impact do you think COVID is going to have? And will the county be able to go gangbusters and break itself loose from what's been going on with the stagnant economy? Well, so the economy nationally has started to come back. Uh, although it's been much slower in Cuyahoga County compared to other counties I've looked at, like Franklin County, Ohio, and Allegheny County, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm hoping that by January 1st, 2023, when I would become county executive, which is 14 months away, that COVID will be behind us, or at least will be not as significant as it is today. There's another wave, it appears, that's coming, the fifth wave, I think, now uh, of COVID infections. Although, uh, because so many people are vaccinated or have had COVID, Uh, I think we should be able to uh, weather this next wave better than we did the prior four. 
Um, it's certainly an issue we have to take into account when it comes to how we deliver services to the citizens of Cuyahoga County, where they're delivered from, whether it be from the county buildings or from uh, workers working from their homes remotely. Um, but I am hoping that you know, 14 months from now, we'll have a lot more people vaccinated, or the or the um, COVID will just sort of play out its course uh, from where it is today. Well, we hope we keep making progress on it, and uh, it's no longer a, a factor uh, with the economy and, and what's happening. But uh, I know we have a couple of minutes yet before we go into our break. But uh, you're running for office, you're running for county executive. And to get all the facts and details to know whether the county is running well or not, you need access to the county. Are you, are you getting that kind of access you need? Yeah, we certainly have access to everything that we need. Um, the county process, public process, so we have access to, to those members. Uh, we have access to the programs that the county is undertaking. Uh, Armin's announced a handful of new uh, programs, many of which I don't support. Um, so, so we have a pretty good sense of what the county is doing. And again, as a former county commissioner, I know what the county government does. So I don't come in here as uh, a newbie. I have experience having run the county before as a county commissioner. And even though we have a county executive now, the functions of county government have not changed. So I'm you know, well-schooled in those functions. Um, and so I'm prepared from day one, really, to take over as county executive in January of 2023. Well, sounds like great experience. We're going to take a short break. We're talking to Lee Weingard, who's a candidate for Cuyahoga County Executive. And uh, he's with Kathy Lux and I tonight uh, talking about Cuyahoga County government. Don't forget, if you have any calls, you can call us here at 216-901-0945. Or, or if 8, you're 8, out of the area. What's the, what's the out of the area one, Kathy? 888-281-1110. Perfect. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate, our final segment tonight. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday night. We're talking to Lee Weingard, who is a candidate for the Cuyahoga County Executive. And uh, Lee, as always, thank you for joining Kathy and I tonight. Thanks, Nick, and uh, thanks, Kathy. Great to be back on. Oh, it's great to have you. Lee, so I I was hoping we could talk a little bit in this last segment about the county uh, government in terms of more honest accountability and transparency. And, you know, I can't even say that without um, going back in memory to a time when we had the county commissioners and that form of government and uh, and all of the indictments and, and some yes. jail sentences and arrests, what have you. Um, and I, I certainly believe we've moved uh, uh, some distance from from that time, but I'm wondering, what do you see there? What 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 are your thoughts? So I, you know, I'd like to believe we moved a distance from there, but I'm not certain that we have. Um, you know, the last four years, or maybe even I guess the full seven years of the current county executive have been pretty brutal when it comes to um, indictments, convictions, and a lack of transparency. Um, the HR director for the county was indicted and convicted, and he left and now has a job, another job in town. The, there were people in IT who were indicted and convicted. Uh, we had the jail director was indicted, convicted, and is currently in jail. So there's a host of 
senior government officials from this administration that have been indicted and convicted. As well, uh, I don't think anybody would view this administration as being transparent, and very few would say that they're honest. Um, in terms of their procurement processes, you know, how they contract, um, the county gave a large contract to a private provider without uh, a bid uh, and without even consulting with county council. Uh, so, you know, irregularities like that give me pause um, as county executive. I will be much more transparent. I'll be much more open. Um, I believe that this is the people's government that was established to help the people. Information is their information, and they should have it when they want it. So unless there is some overriding issue of confidentiality, particularly around you know um, health reports or health records, which is a federal standard, uh, I believe that citizens of this county and the media have, should have access to whatever information um, we have uh, in our files, and that's not otherwise you know, confidential or protected. We need open, transparent, and honest county government back in Calgary County. And and so I, I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and you see uh, a way to kind of uh, improve our bidding system, or how do you approach that issue? Yeah, so I mean there are rules in place, and I just say enforce the rules. So whether it means you know, providing for small businesses, you know, disadvantaged businesses, there is a requirement that small businesses be given a certain percentage of every contract. Uh, the county rarely uh, honors that provision so that small businesses do not get opportunities to contract with the county. So less than 1% of all the county contracts go to disadvantaged businesses, which are women-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, or disabled veteran-owned businesses. And as county executive, I will increase that on day one to 10% from 1%, and I will mandate. So I'll just enforce the rules rather than just let companies slide and not live by the procurement rules that we have established. I'm going to enforce those rules and help spread some of these contracts out to small and growing businesses that were hurt particularly by COVID. Uh, I think we as a county have an obligation and an opportunity to help grow small business which means you are growing wealth in neighborhoods that have not had access to wealth for a very long time. So, mm-hmm. you know, at bottom, I believe that we need to create wealth opportunities in the city of Cleveland and in the first ring suburbs. And we do that uh, through better procurement practices, by encouraging company formation and job creation, and by uh, fostering private home ownership within Cuyahoga County. Sure. And you know, from my experience, I know there are ways to um, shape those uh, requests for bids that really kind of narrow the opportunity in terms of who can participate. And so that's something you're saying you would look at um, within the rules. Yes, am I? Am I understanding? I, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to. I want to enforce the rules as they are. So, yeah. What happens is there's a man a requirement that a certain percent of the contract be awarded to a small business. But if you are the major business, the large business, you can say, hey, look, I tried to find a partner, couldn't find one, so you're then exempted from having to include a partner. And I just will eliminate this sort of good faith effort, they say. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a partner, you'll get a contract. It's very simple. If you don't bring me a partner for your contract, I'm not going to give you a contract. Uh, And so we'll, but they'll, so then they will magically find partners and they will bring, we will honor the requirement 
that a certain percentage of that contract go to a small and growing business. Um, so I'll do that as county executive. Um, and that's, that to me is just an important thing that we can do in the county to help grow small businesses, which are the backbone of any county, any community, um, through the county contracting process. Give them access to some of these county contracts and, and help them to grow. Real quick question, Lee. We're almost uh, completed for tonight. Uh, the question is, Election Day is not until next year. We have about a year to go. Uh, how do you think? Uh, how do you think things will shape up between now and next year? The same, continue on the same course, or what will the issues oh, I, be? I think. I think. So I, I think the issues will be um, opportunity in Cairo County. I think corruption in government is always an issue, and that's always seems to be around in Cairo County government. Um, so I'm going to address, you know, head on the issue of opportunity that I've talked about. We have to grow private housing in Cairo County. We have to grow the new formation of companies and job creation. What we have to do, in my estimation, for the last 50 years, we have fostered a culture of dependence through a variety of federal um, public support programs. We need to change that to a culture of independence. Doesn't mean there's no role for government. Of course, there's a role for county government. But the county has to be a provider of resources to help nonprofit organizations and the private sector create opportunities for wealth growth, company formation, and private housing. So I just want to cut the tie, if you will, uh, and, and help people become independent. So there's less of a need for public assistance programs, and there's greater uh, economic growth in our community, more jobs for more people, more private housing for more families, uh, and ultimately uh, a better county for everybody. Well, let's take that as a shot across the bow. Let's hope that the government will improve things. But uh, as we get into 2022 and you're heading for that election, we'll see what issues are still out there. Boy, I couldn't agree with you more, Lee, that we need to do more to lift people up, not sustain a, a, a living arrangement for them that really is is inferior. That's true. I, again, I just think we create this culture of dependence, and we need to break that cycle once and for all, because that dependence has brought us intergenerational poverty and mm-hmm. increased crime. If Absolutely. we create opportunities for people to thrive, I think we can reduce crime, we can create success, and we'll have a much more prosperous county. Well, let's look forward to that future and get everyone back to work. There's a lot of jobs out there now. Let's people who can work get out there and work. That's going to be a big thing between now and next year. Lee, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks, Lee. Nick, thanks, Kathy. Thanks. It's great to be back on WHK. I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Stay healthy and safe. Take care, everybody. Good night. Thanks. Good night, everybody. Torn from the pages of some ancient magazine Sleeping parrot, dreaming parrot dreams And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my mind accompanied The Advocate is sponsored by Nick Phillips and is responsible for its content. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.